Welcome to the Good Life EDU podcast presented by the Nebraska ESU Coordinating Council. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the latest in digital learning across Nebraska and around the country. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back for another episode of the Good Life EDU podcast. And today I'm being joined by Dr. Helen Crompton of Norfolk, Virginia, actually with Old Dominion University. And Dr. Crompton is someone who I've gotten a chance to learn from a little bit as a part of a recent initiative that our TLT leadership within our ESU network was able to take part in through ISTE and General Motors. There's an artificial intelligence explorations cohort that five of us are in the midst of going through right now, uh, and Dr. Crompton is our coach. And so uh, I asked Helen if she would join us today so that we might be able to um, share out her message and some of the things that uh, we've had a chance to learn in our cohort, but get that to our larger audience. And so Dr. Crompton, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for the invite, Andrew. Much appreciated. Yeah. yeah, we're looking forward to having an opportunity to learn from you. And so I find the entire topic of artificial intelligence and education fascinating. Obviously, you do as well, because that's a big part of your life's work. And so can you give us a little bit of your backstory uh, in education and what kind of led you to being yeah, a leader in this part of our field? Yeah, so my backstory is actually interesting. I worked for nine years in the UK with children with severe behavioral problems. So we tried everything possible to try and kind of get them interested. And I noticed, I mean, it was a while back that I did this. We, we got the computers, you know, where you type in run and then whatever the computer name was. Um, so we started, yeah, we started actually at that point. And what I found interesting is students were actually interested in technology. So I kind of kept adding little bits ever so often. And that captivated me it was interesting to the students but I thought rather than interest it's got to be actually more you know about what can it do for learning so I progressed after many years to um, studying a PhD and I, I focused on mobile technologies at that time because that really interested me as a game changer in that learning didn't have to be tethered we could go anywhere so I was really interested in that. So that's where I've kind of grown. But at the same time, mobile technologies, you have a great deal of power there. And one of those recent powers we're finding is artificial intelligence. So that's been very motivating. That's been another game changer. So the big game changers for me, going mobile, but you can learn anywhere, anytime. And then the power of artificial intelligence to really enhance and extend learning. So that's how I kind of got here from interest. I love that. And that's something that I hear uh, amongst some of the most innovative people that I know in that there's just this small voice sometimes, I think, that taps you on the shoulder and says, well, shouldn't you be really curious about this? Or, or what you, you know, and the more you say yes and kind of follow that adventure, uh, and so many of us as educators are... Uh, driven by learning, love learning, you know, are fascinated by undertaking and quelling new curiosities, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, like all that stuff can lead you to a place that you maybe didn't expect to end up, but your experiences uniquely equip you with the ability to be able to succeed in. <laughs> and so yes. I would say that about you, right? And, and oh, Well, thank you. Thank you. And I actually, I was in the trenches, first of all, I had 16 years as a classroom teacher. And it was kind of, okay, so what do these technologies actually do? And that's what sent me into the research field. 
but I'm very much connected to schools rather than kind of going off into academia and losing track of that. So yeah, it was kind of, what does it do? Let's explore further. Oh, I so appreciate that. And on behalf of learners too, uh, I can tell from your backstory there. So one of the things that I've found as a part of this program uh, is I've been just fascinated by how many pieces of artificial intelligence that I feel like the average person, or at least in my current role, that I come across on a regular basis. Uh, and so for people that may not have that same type of awareness about the AI at present, would you kind of give us a little bit of an insight into what already exists uh, that's out there? And, and maybe even we can transition that into a talk about the future of AI. Yes, absolutely. Just thinking about what AI is, um, so we're talking about computing systems able to engage in human-like processes. So thinking about learning, adapting, synthesizing, self-correcting. And we use a lot of tools naturally. And many people have no idea they're actually using artificial intelligence. In fact, <laughs> most people are probably using it every day. And they just, all they're thinking about is, oh, this has got so much better, this program. It's like, um, I'll give you an example, Google search. Google search used to be very um, exact in the words. So if you search for something like um, a river, and a song, it'll like a river will tell you, okay, it's a, you know, water traveling. A song is something that people may sing or, you know, they were very, very exact. Mm -hmm. And what happened was artificial intelligence came along and provided more contextual background. There's um, various parts, the latest one's called BERT, <laughs> um, AI called BERT, that's connected to the search so when you're typing things now it helps you with context like if i actually put river song together it won't necessarily come up with anything to do with river or anything to do with song when if there's anyone out there that's kind of focused on doctor who they will realize that actually river song's the name of an actress and so it will actually bring that up because it's looking at not just the word it's looking oh they put these two words together and those two words together, people usually search for this actress. So it's kind of doing a lot of thinking in the background and not just going with exact things. But I mean, even like Google Translate, it used to translate terribly. If anyone used that a while ago, they'll probably thought, well, I'm not gonna use that again because it was just terrible. As a classroom teacher, I'd try and translate things into Spanish or into different other languages. And it did little bits, but most of it just didn't have the context. Well, that now has artificial intelligence and that is very, very accurate in many cases, many cases, but it kind of acts really nicely. But there's so many, you know, when you use the phone and you phone your bank and it asks you certain questions, that's artificial intelligence directing you to the right place of where you need to be. So there's, there's many examples. I, as you can probably tell, I could go on forever. Um, but did that answer your question, Andrew? 
Yeah. And I, to point out too, with that BERT AI that goes with the Google search, uh, I know in our modules, um, it even got down to prepositions and thinking as those were to be placed between let's just yes. say nouns and, and that relationship piece. And I found that really fascinating uh, because of what that, that can do then for, like you're saying, for the computer to understand what it is mm-hmm. that you're, you're trying to get it to arrive at. Uh, and then when you start to think about how some of these technologies then maybe dovetail into one another, <laughs> and, uh-huh. and I'm sure that that's part of the the future with all this as well, uh, as one kind of builds upon, because there's also, well, we should say too, there, there are, are site ones that do sort of like a perceptual recognition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we got a chance to look a little bit at some smart self-driving cars. <laughs> and mm-hmm. those, yeah. So would you speak to maybe a couple more of the the ones that we feel like are just maybe socially at the present moment out there? And I know we could go all day too, but. Yes. So what artificial intelligence features? Um, Well, thinking about education, there's many in there where it looks at how students tackle a task. It may be looking like, for example, quick draw. I know I'm using a lot of Google examples here, but this is another one from Google. And it looks at how students drawing something are doing it. So where they start drawing and it's learning from all these. And when when you think about it in education, it's learning how the student actually learns, how they learn best, how they perform on a test and which is their best testing methods that they do well on. Also little nuances about, okay, they missed being able to do this task, what could it be? And one of the big ones I'm really excited about with artificial intelligence is the fact that it can see things that we're not even looking for. You know, the biggest thing in education is we want the holy grail about how to catch those students that are slipping through the gaps that we know certain things to look for. But what are, what are we missing that we're not looking for? And I've got, I've got actually a great example of that. There was a a woman that suddenly started getting a lot of mail saying, oh, you know, congratulations, you're pregnant, you know, perhaps look at these things. And she was saying, whoa, you know, why am I getting all these? And she went to the doctor and she actually was pregnant. And um, what it apparently, they could never pin it down what it was, but online she was searching, she was buying food, she was doing certain things that connected with what people are pregnant usually do, that we wouldn't know what to look for, but artificial intelligence could pick that out from all these databases, all this information to say that. So I think, I mean, I've got goosebumps now thinking about it, (laughs) but just think about what we can do in education by finding those trends that we miss to be able to support learners. Wow. Yeah, that gives me goosebumps as well. <laughs> and I would uh, I would say with that kind of support around just and sensitivity to the subtle that like uh, the subtle drivers of a learning process, I think it's going to be fascinating. And that's yes. on a personal level, I, I really appreciate personalized learning and the thought of trying to help tailor not necessarily for my own take, at least the assessments and those pieces, which I know there are programs that will continue to get better and better at targeting those types of pieces for learners, but even in tailoring how they, the tools that they use or the strategies that they use that make them most effective at the different impasses and learning experience. 
And I, through this whole time, have thought kind of in both of those. It's in the, the assessment piece and instruction, but it also could be in the way in which we might get some information that helps learners with their own agency uh, and ability to navigate. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And in fact, if you don't mind me mentioning that one at this point, so own agency is is huge. It's the, the point with technology is it's accessible now. And AI is making it even more accessible and things that they couldn't always do before. I mean, if we think as an educator, one of the most painful, time-consuming things is when you have to grade essays. <laughs> so, well, I'm a former English teacher. I know what you're talking about there, for sure. I worked throughout K-10 and even just any writing, it takes time. And then you have to say to students, you know, if you're doing it in class, you know, you go off and just don't come near me, let me just do this. And it takes time, but yet students don't need to come to us with that type of things anymore. There's that many programs now out there on the web. There's, I've got literally a list of like 15 different AI programs that will allow students, they put their essay in, and it'll provide feedback that's absolutely phenomenal, beyond what I can do as an educator. <laughs> um, some of you might be amazing out there that are you know, way beyond, but it tells them literally all the different things about the essay from where they've got run-on sentences, where sentence structure might need tweaking, or even the language used it might be sensitive language you might want to work on this and there's loads of programs out there allowing them to do that even presentations now powerpoint which we used to have the term death by powerpoint (laughs) i'm back to using powerpoint because they've included artificial intelligence and so now it helps me design my presentation so i don't have to waste time doing that Um, it also helps me rehearse there's an ai coach within it that will tell me how my facial expression is, how um, the speed that I'm, you know, talking, presenting, whether I'm repeating what's on the slide, which I shouldn't be doing, you know, it literally tells you all sorts of stuff. And so our students can have practice that way. You can't do certain things. I always say AI is all brain and no heart. So it can't tell us the certain feeling things beyond what people have told it you know like okay that's a sensitive word don't use that word but there's there's other aspects as well about smiling and the way you smile that ai wouldn't be able to pick up Mm -hmm. it's great it really empowers students because they've got all these tools to hand now that they can use to self-improve without having to wait for the teacher the instructor to help yeah. And, you know, I, I think as you're sharing those things out and if you're listening and that's not your experience in your classroom now, that's not to say that it isn't happening because as you're sharing this, Helen, it, it, these are things that are currently in place. Yes. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Reinforcing yes. That. Yeah. It's nice for students to see it and kind of say, look at these tools and you don't have to use this one. You can use whichever one matches your style. You know, go do that. And I'll, I'll spend my time instead talking to you about other things and helping coach you, helping teach you in other ways that, you know, let's let the computer do that bit. Yeah. Would you say that that's the heart component you were talking about then, that teachers can step into that space since the AI can take care of the brain portion? 
<laughs> so the, what that was, um, all brain and no heart is it knows certain things. It knows a great deal of things of what, the, what we've told it from databases and things like that. But very much emotional things it doesn't have. If we think about what was it called data. The, was it Star Trek? Uh, whichever, probably, someone's probably cringing. Yeah. You know, I've probably got Star Trek muddled up with Star Wars, Star Trek. Um, so he didn't understand people's emotions. It was kind of, well, I was just telling them, why are they upset? Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of thinking about, when I give the example for students' presentations, it can know that, okay, if you've got a frown on your face, that's not a positive thing. But there can be certain things still that people pick up that technology couldn't pick up at this point. So, and it's, it's got to be careful saying that because there's lots of programs actually out there, AI programs to teach things like doctors give bad news to patients. So um, they can have an avatar on screen and pretend to be the patient and the doctor has to say, oh, I'm sorry, you know, this is it, you've got a week to go, you know, and it's how they, they practice saying that. But it, AI still cannot make decisions. It should never make decisions for us. It should inform us and we know from being human, the affect, the, the sensitive piece. That's the heart piece that they're missing. <laughs> yeah. So how then, and I, I feel like it, you alluded to it in answering that previous question, how then do you see this being, not replacing teachers, but shifting the role that teachers have in the classroom with the capabilities that AI will bring uh, in support of their efforts in support of kids? Mm -hmm. um, this is a question that's asked a lot. It's kind of, is AI going to replace teachers? Um, and people have to think carefully. I'm going to say this the one time, though. I always say if technology can replace a teacher, they should replace that teacher. In other words, they're not doing a really good job. Um, technology can never do that. However, AI at the same time, it's going to reduce what teachers actually do in certain aspects up to 40%. So in other words, certain parts of grading, certain parts of paperwork, yes, it's gonna do that for us, but teachers should be kind of jumping on the classroom tables and dancing up and down going, yay, because we want it to do those things. What we wanna do as teachers is we wanna spend time working with the students not sitting off at one side grading, not um, having to spend ages nitpicking through thinking, well, okay, they got this one wrong and this one, so that means they need help with this. AI is gonna do a lot of stuff for teachers to make it so much easier. It will never ever replace teachers. but it won't replace them. But what it does, we should all be thankful for. Absolutely, because what you're sharing there is there's opportunities for AI to support in the planning process. Uh, there's opportunities in the feedback, which we've already covered in our conversation. And then even during the act of learning itself, there's a myriad of different ways. And one that 
uh, comes to mind. And I'm going to, I can't think of the name of these particular robots. And I think they've been out for at least five or six years now that teach world languages. And you can bring that in and it sort of comes to life almost. <laughs> this like maybe yeah. two foot high robot. And as the students speak, it leads them through an oral activity is probably the simplest way of saying it, where they it will prompt them to speak. They'll say something, it listens to it, uh, and then processes whether they got that particular response pronounced correctly and with the appropriate word and sort of guides a small mini lesson around that. And, and from the time I first saw that, I thought how fun to have a something like that. Okay. Whether it's an actually animated robot or mm -hmm. something like, uh, you know, an echo, um, or, you know, you're asking Alexa, but, uh -huh. but some other piece in the, in the room to do some of those knowledge and comprehension level pieces as a co-teacher or in a station rotation model where you can't be at every station all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, there's various types of robots. The one that you might be talking about now, I've actually got four of them. It's um, the Now Robot, N-A-O. And mm -hmm. um, they're, they're kind of like humanized robot. They'll have got legs, arms. Yes, yeah. yeah. So that's probably those. What's really nice about those is, especially with working with children with autism, because where children with autism won't give eye contact and struggle to interact with people quite the same, they will have no problem with the robots. And there's been multiple studies doing on that. They work really, really nicely with those groups of learners, which is nice. And you mentioned about ways it can actually support in education. I, I have done a bit of research looking at how AI is supporting education. And it hits on a few that you've said there, assessment data and analytics. And would you like me to kind of cover the other ones now? Oh, absolutely. I'd love to hear kind of what your research has found with regards to the benefits of AI in learning. Yeah, so what I actually did is I gathered all the research from the last decade to find out, okay, what are people saying it's beneficial for? And so I found a trend of five different kind of groups. The first one, assessment data and analytics. Second one, personalization and understanding. Third, improved academic curriculum. Fourth, flexible learning experience. And the last one, coaching, tutoring, and academic mentoring. So I can quickly through, run through some ideas on that. So um, assessment data and analytics. So AI can boost efficiency and utility of those assessment data analytics by looking across the data that I described and even across different data sets and bringing them in, looking for trends. Then um, there's a really good one actually for assessment data. There's a, a program called Lumino, which is a pair of glasses, um, smart glasses that the teacher wears. And above all the children's heads, they have like little icons to say when they were last active, whether they're stuck and need help. And oh, it's yeah, it's very, very cool. Stop. So, That's crazy. Yeah, it's absolutely mad, isn't it? So then um, understanding and personalization, it wow. provides teachers literally up to the minute dashboards describing those students' strengths and gaps. But even personalization is in... Google Translate I mentioned. I mean, how many times have we had students come into the class and they don't speak the same language as us or anybody else? And it's kind of, what do we do? And so translation programs have been an absolute lifesaver to me. 
as a teacher. The other one is improved academic curriculum. That's kind of an obvious one because beyond textbooks, this really actually creates kind of a customized textbook to find out exactly what they should be learning and at what pace and but it can change throughout. So they could start learning something that's kind of, oh, you've got it already, let's move on. Let's not waste any time. It's, it's, it's kind of perfect that way. Can, then, can I ask real quick in, the, in that same vein then, and not to interrupt the, the progression too, too long, but it makes me wonder about something like social studies and, and civics and wanting to understand the various perspectives on any given event. And as the news cycles are ever changing, I mean, would AI be able to go through and essentially uh, curate maybe the two or three most prominent perspectives that are opposing or at least uh, round out an issue? Yeah, I mean, it depends what kind of, if I'm thinking on the same lines as you, it depends what programs, AI programs, but even Google search can do a lot of that with what we've spoken about. And even, you know, with Bird, like I described, and rank brain that it uses but then it could be other things like google trends that mm -hmm. actually pulls out those let's see what people are actually looking at but what's nice about these is it really has the students we can really have discussions about okay why are people searching for these does that mean they're the best like does that mean this act is the most famous because they always appear in the search um, or they're trending that people are searching more for that person, or maybe it could be because they've just been in trouble and everyone wants to see who it is. So it kind of brings up a lot of discussion as well. But um, did that answer your question or did I go off on the sideline? <laughs> no, that did. that Because I know we did talk about Rank Brain as that, that Google piece in our studies as well. And that was one of the things that came out of our side conversations was thinking about how it might help with current events uh, and finding yes. you know, resources to bring around the various viewpoints. And so I interrupted with that question because you were on point three of your five that you were going through. Oh no, and this was, that was perfect. Please do stop and ask. So yes, improved academic curriculum just for having the resources available there, which is the big thing. Flexible learning experience, it's, it kind of connects with the anytime, anywhere learning and mobile devices as well, but it's flexible in that it's flexible to the students. So we think about differentiated learning, individualized learning, and so on. This really helps do that. Even, even simple things like, um, okay, I've got a classroom students. I want to split them into groups. It can help organize your groups for you. You tell it what you want, what type of groups you want, whether you want homogenous, whether you want them differentiated some way, it can start that so you don't have to even think. So thinking about flexibility and speed of doing things, but just flexibility as in we can do things so many different ways now. Well, uh, would it do that by uh, indicator even? Like when it would sort those by... Mm -hmm. Uh, homogenous groups, for example, by ability level, I mean, that could be for that particular day's uh, content, right? Maybe not looking at just broadly how that student has performed across maybe unrelated assessments. Yes, yes. Um, the tool I'm thinking of was just a basic app that used to AI, but you can do it exactly that way through programs as well. Yeah, by saying, okay, we've got this, what, what else can we have? 
That's remarkable. So looking at the last one as well, coaching, tutoring, and academic mentoring, I always think about the now robots in this, but it goes beyond, it goes to, okay, I want coaching as in, I'd like to present. We could go to PowerPoint AI coach that'll help us present and how to speak without stress, the pace of language we're using it, it is so on. That was just one example, but as you know, AI is kind of famous for doing that tutoring, being able to provide immediate feedback and not just on simple, have they got it right, haven't they got it right, but on essays, complex essays. I actually, these aren't just simple tools. I write academically. I spend most of my time writing, but I'll often run them through to see things that I, I'm not seeing anymore. And it will tell me and give me feedback at the level I need. So, um, but third graders, second graders can use them. You know, these are powerful tools to meet the needs of the learner wherever they are. So that's kind of nice. Um, funny enough there as well, there's this program actually called Coursera that notifies teachers when the students give an incorrect answer. But also there's things like My Ed Match, which um, it's, like a, it's like a dating site. <laughs> <laughs> My Ed Match connects teachers to the schools. So it looks through jobs that are available and says, oh, you know, well, you've got this skills. You're a teacher of science, high school. This is where you would be really nicely matched. So there's tools for teachers just the same as students as well. Wow. So the five. I went through them fairly quickly, but um, please, you know, ask us about any of those. Yeah, there have been over the course of the, I think, six weeks now that we've been invested in this work uh, and learning from being a part of this cohort, uh, there have been a number of things that have come up, and so many of them have fascinated me, honestly. I, I would certainly not be able to prioritize one over another. Uh, we did watch a 60-minute uh, a snippet, and it was a clip where they had gone through and recorded a Holocaust survivor who had answered questions uh, to an exhausted degree, and they recorded every one of this individual's responses. Uh, and then when he passed, uh, they still had all those captured. And you could actually walk up to this screen where it appeared as if he was sitting there in this chair uh, and ask questions about the Holocaust. I mean, you couldn't, uh, and even in the interview, they said, you know, what's the weather like today? And he goes, I'm just recording. You can't, you can't, <laughs> I can't really speak to that, uh, which was brilliant. But it gave uh, an interactiveness to history and captured that story in a way that I thought was just transformative. And, and at the same time, and so here's kind of a pivot, I guess. I think that anytime we talk about artificial intelligence, you kind of get to those you know, dystopian sci-fi thrillers mm -hmm. <laughs> where, where there are kind of some of those concerns, uh, fears, if you would, I guess, about how far can this go? And so as someone who's an expert in this area, what is your experience in, in the questions you hear about that and your own feelings about where this work is headed? And so um, we always get those questions on kind of AI and is it going to take over the world? And we, I always go back to thinking of Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, the Terminator, <laughs> what's going to happen? But the way with any technologies that I always say is technology can't do things without us telling it what to do. And technologies hold great power. The more power they have 
for good, they also have for bad. So um, AI is a real game changer for education, but it also can be used for ne very negative purposes. But at the same time, the way to think about it is we tell it what to do. So AI, it could be described analogous to a child, what we tell a child to do. So if we tell a child, boys are much better. They grow up to think, okay, boys are more better, clever, whatever, than girls. AI is the same. We feed it data, we feed it information, and it provides us an output of what we've given it. So we've had problems. And what's nice is we learn about things and then we fix those problems. So the, an earlier problem was that a lot of data was being used from past data. So we had a lot of racial, gender biases all in there. And so, for example, Google Translate, I've mentioned that one. In the translations, if you put from English to Turkish, which is a gender neutral language, if you put in the statement, he is a babysitter and she is a doctor. So you translate it to Turkish and then you translate from Turkish back, AI will do a great job at kind of connecting to context, but it will translate it back as he is a doctor, she is a babysitter, because it's looking at past data and that was typically the trend. So we have to kind of correct these. We realize we have to, first of all, realize that they're there and then figure out how to um, amend that. But we also have issues at the moment that the new data is coming in. But those people that are putting the new data in still have a lot of biases. So it's kind of, again, being aware of this and being conscious and making sure those data sets that we are using are not biased in some way mm -hmm. or discriminatory. So, um, so there are things like that, but we know about them and we kind of learn and fix them. My big concern is people say, oh no, it did something wrong, so we just stop using it completely. That would be just so sad because it can have so much power for our students and for our teachers that it can do great things, but we have to use it responsibly. Mm -hmm. I'm going to piece two pieces of information together, kind of impromptu here. I'll just be candid about this. And so mm -hmm. maybe I haven't really thought through this enough to articulate it well. But I, so if I hearken back to what I shared regarding uh, the Holocaust survivor mm -hmm. and thinking about that individual sharing his story and having it captured in a way that you could kind of interact almost as if you were having just a very real conversation. Mm. Do you think that that same piece, because a, a very prominent topic in, in education at the moment uh, deals with racial equity. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think just really even in understanding, I'm going to zoom out from that even a little bit and say, understanding individuals who ha have differences in their identity backpack than yours. Mm -hmm. And I was curious about this because I think sometimes one of the best opportunities to learn, and this has been in my experience, uh, of things that are outside of your own identity is to engage in conversation with mm -hmm. other people who that is their, their reality. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's not always easy if you don't know anyone that has that as their background. Uh, that's not always easy if there isn't open lines of communication. And, and so there's certainly, there's a rapport or relationship that 
aids that process, I think. Mm -hmm. And I wondered in the midst of us talking here, if it might then be possible for us to, to capture just different experiences in all walks of life mm-hmm. to allow students to have an opportunity to maybe ask in what a way that simulates that authentic dialogue that might give them that opportunity to learn from people that see the world from a different lens. Yeah, that's a really good thinking. Um, yes. So going back to what I was saying about the robots with um, children with autism, What's nice about technologies is you can ask all these questions. People have created chatbots that mimic famous people, that mimic certain things, and they can ask questions. And what's nice is it's kind of safe in that you can ask the same question a hundred times. They won't get frustrated. They'll tell you exactly what it is. And so that, that idea is really kind of good thinking in that we could perhaps have certain things that either help us formulate language and have discussions and to get it right, as well as as listening ear. The only problem as well, I have to say though, when I'm thinking about this is things like chatbots and things, they're so lifelike, it's as if you're talking to someone and people sometimes will think, wow, they're such good listeners and they will tell them things that they shouldn't be telling them. So we, yeah, so that's a, hopefully I've not gone off track too much there, but they will think and say things. But again, at the same time, that might be a safe, if no one's collecting that data, that might be a safe place to ask questions and learn and yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. And thinking too, that maybe there's, yeah, an opportunity to, and I think maybe we came across this in one of the resources as well, a place you could just go to share your feelings, thoughts, emotions, uh, and have almost a, a an empathetic AI ear. I don't know what else to call it. Yes, yes. That's, in fact, it's so true. It's, it's really hard kind of to understand in some way, because I'm saying it's got no heart. It really doesn't have a heart. But if you tell it, okay, when someone's crying, you've got to lower your voice, you've got to speak softly, you've got to speak slower, mm-hmm. and you've got to say comforting words kind of thing. Um, or even just someone to hear, there's, there's loads of apps, AI apps out there that's helping psychologists do their work. Because there's not enough psychologists for what's needed, you know, counselors. And these actually listen and will help actually, will give feedback to the person by saying, oh, okay, you know, you could change your mood by perhaps doing these things and let's work through mindfulness. And yeah, there's, there's actually lots of AI apps out there to do that. Wow. Well, I want to recognize that I could certainly continue to ask questions all day because this is <laughs> this has been fantastic. And I we have one of our AI uh, explorations meetings coming up here shortly. So I, I want to respect your time uh, and maybe close by by asking this for people listening who are intrigued by our conversation and would like to learn more. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the ISTE-GM collaboration and then maybe opportunities that even if you're not a part of the cohort, you could extend your learning? Absolutely. So GM Motors, very, very kindly through the foundation that they have, have provided funding for educators to get free learning on artificial intelligence and the practical applications in K-12. 
So GM Motors reached out to ISTE, the International Society for Technology and Education, and to implement this, to open it up and have um, educators from all across the US to learn about AI. So that's been a great project to do. Um, I would also, now you've heard about AI, also recognize where it is in a few places. That, you know, when you, once you're kind of a little bit more aware of it, it's kind of, oh, I'm on the phone. And are you actually a human? Oh, are you a computer? And I will actually often ask that question, but it's just being more aware of it. And I'll actually explore what there is out there. ISTE often offer a great number of courses. This is one of them. We'll have to see whether they're funded for a following year by GM Motors. Um, people might want to look out for that. But, um, but ISTE have also many other courses as well that people might be interested in. Well, I know that I've certainly appreciated the opportunity to learn through this cohort and would encourage others to pursue just learning more about this because it's not, and I'll reiterate what I've uh, underscored throughout this conversation. It's not as if this is something that's 20, 40 years away. These things are already being integrated into learning opportunities, and it's only going to increase as we move forward for all the benefits that you pointed out. And so, uh, Dr. Crompton, thank you so much for your time today, for sharing, and your leadership of our cohort group. Uh, mm -hmm. And we really have appreciated getting the chance to learn from you. My pleasure, Andrew. Thank you very much for the invite.